Welcome to the Property Nomads podcast. We're edging closer towards episode 200. Today is going to be absolutely fantastic. We've got an awesome guest for you. Uh, Get your pens and papers at the ready, unless you're driving and take notes when you get home. You're going to want to take a lot of notes about this. Today's guest is an expert in negotiating. Uh, He's well known for having written the number one Amazon bestseller, Win Win. Uh, along with hosting the Negotiators podcast. And Derek Arden, who is our guest, has also studied negotiation at Harvard Business School, got an excellent background, and is going to be handing out loads of hints, tips, and tricks to help you make more money in your business, in your life, all through negotiation. Uh, Derek, thank you for your time today. Robert, great pleasure. Thanks for inviting me to uh, your podcast. I nearly made 200, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> nearly, nearly. I think it's episode one nine eight, something along those lines. But anyway, okay. that's uh, that's not overly important. Um, but I would guess, I would say, uh, let's start at the start. Yes, you're well known for you know a lot of things you've done in terms of negotiation. But how did you get into that field of work in the first place? Well, I was working for an international bank and I was responsible for the retailers sector, not the retail sector, the actual retailers that sold uh, all over the world uh, food, basically the grocery sector and the uh, clothing sector. And uh, I was at Tesco's and I shouldn't mention their name, but it was so long ago, it doesn't matter. And I got thrown out of um, their offices in Chesson for not reducing my price on a um, million pound contract. And I was sitting on Chesson Station, pondering how I was going to handle this and take it forward. And I was just thinking to myself, well, most people and most of your listeners think they're pretty good negotiators, but how good is good enough? And I am clearly not good enough when I'm dealing with professionals and people that have studied the subjects. So uh, by the time I got to Liverpool Street Station on the um, on on the route on the east, eastern region or whatever they call it, I decided to uh, go into Waterstones in London and buy um, as many books on negotiation as I could get my hands on. I got picked up one called Everything Is Negotiable by an, an Englishman called a Scotsman actually called Gavin Kennedy. I thought everything is negotiable. That's an interesting title for a start. Most people don't think that everything's negotiable. Well, of course it is. It depends how you go about it and how you ask. And um, I started reading the book on the train back to Guildford. um, And I thought, wow, I didn't really get that. I didn't really know that. And um, it's uh, it's called unconscious incompetence in, um, in psychology. You don't know what you don't know. And so I started studying the subject and I started getting better at the way I was dealing with the clients. I got started getting better at spotting, negotiating tactics when people were using tactics on me. Started studying psychology, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, and uh, the issues that went around with that, the art and science of excellence. And then I persuaded Barclays to pay for me to go to Harvard uh, for a week and um, study under a guy called Bill Urey. Now, Bill Urey wrote the book called Getting to the Yes, which is um, the worldwide seminal book on negotiating about win-win. I uh, win for me and a win for you. And um, at that stage, I never for once dreamt that I would be publishing a book a few years later. And uh, of course I was. And, and that book was called Win-Win, How to Get a Winning Result from persuasive negotiations so while all this was going on i was doing a bit of teaching doing a bit of speaking on the subject learning more and more about it and of course 
if you teach something or speak on something, you learn more about the subject than sitting in the audience because you've got to present um, and show people exactly how to do it. So while this was going on, I was learning and I thought, well, I was wondering what I was going to do after I left um, left Barclays, a bank I worked for, and um, I thought, this is it. This is it. I'm going to teach. I always like teaching and presenting and speaking. I was always pretty good at it. So I went off to the States and studied uh, NLP and I studied um, uh, professional speaking. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's how it all happened and it grew. And it's grown into a worldwide speaking business. It's grown into having a lot of fun. It's growing into being a, a consultant for various businesses. I'm helping a business uh, negotiate a really difficult insurance claim at the moment. I helped a pension fund. And that's what I do. I help people, I help your listeners just up the game, just be that 1% better. And of course, what's the difference that makes the difference? It's probably just 1% in a situation, understanding a tactic, really the body language, uh, understanding the art science of influencing and what works under the level of our um, conscious mind and all those tips and tricks that are being used on anyone, everyone. So that's a, that's a bit about me, but it's probably better that we get into uh, some of the tips and techniques for the people who are listening to the podcast. And they're not techniques. You're not trying to technique people. What you're trying to do is just understand the psychology of what's going on behind the scenes and get the best deal possible for yourself. But on the other hand, also making sure it's a win-win deal. Because I know some of your people listening to this are property investors. I mean, it's no good getting a getting a property at the rock bottom price and finding that you've uh, hacked off the seller to such a degree that they've uh, removed all the light bulbs and the light fittings and <laughs> things like that. You actually want a win-win deal. And if you treat people badly, they tend to treat you badly as well. So uh, treat people properly, respectfully, pay a good price, a fair price, um, but not too much. So, so that's the story, uh, Robert. A fascinating, fascinating start. As you say, just before we go into, you know, looking at all these you know, tips and ways to develop win-win situations, uh, if you were to reflect back on that meeting at Tesco's and getting kicked out, you know, very quickly, what would you go back and tell yourself? Well, that's an interesting question. One I've never been asked before. I mean, I think that was a seminal meeting for me. That was a really wake-up call. You know, that's when you get a bit hot and hot and sweaty and hope you're wearing a white shirt like I'm wearing now so you don't uh, show your sweaty uh, armpits and things like that and a bit of sweat on your brow. Oh, no, I think I think that was great. I mean, I, perhaps I should have learned about the subject before, but, you know, there's life-changing moments that we all have and those life-changing moments are when actually you learn the most. Um, you know, when we're at our lowest, sitting on Chestnut Station, that's when, you know, you kind of get a light bulb moment. So... Um, everybody gets light bulb moments. The real trick in life is to do something about it and take action um, and realise that you don't know enough. And you, actually, you never know enough, do you? We're, uh, we're lifelong learners and the people that are listening to this podcast, I'm sure, are also lifelong learners. And lifelong learners know we're all always learning. So, yeah, I should have known more about negotiation uh, before then, but that was a wake-up call for me. And if listening to this, there's a wake-up call for people, then it's a question of um, going out and buying one of the um, 
thousands of books on negotiation or listening to the podcasts or uh, even buying uh, my book, Win Win. But, uh, you know, it's best not to publicize your own book because people think that you're bragging. <laughs> yeah, but I know, I know, I know that feeling having appeared on other people's podcasts and being an author myself. Uh, okay, let's let's go on into property then. Let's, let's try and give as much practical information as as we can in this okay. episode. Um, where do you see? I mean, I, I guess the key question, or the question I have that springs to my mind is, where, where do you see people going wrong when they're trying to negotiate? Let's try to let's say you've, you've, you've viewed a house. Let's try and relate to the property. You've viewed a house. Uh, in an area it's not in a great condition not the worst thing in the world and you've then got to go and deal with an estate agent which many most investors don't overly enjoy doing but you've still got to create that women's situation where would you say if you're in that situation what are people doing that isn't the right thing to do well the first thing that came to mind there is preparation and and this comes in anything whether it's a house or whatever actually doing the research doing the preparation now that's a lot easier now isn't it with zoopla and right move and, and all that to get to get the information um but often people don't go and look they don't actually look and walk you know i'm just giving you some examples on property and i'm sure most of your people do but it's still about preparation. So what would I be doing? I might stand outside the house for a little while and watch uh, who's going up and down, what the neighbours are like, uh, what sort of traffic's in the road. Is it a rough area? Now, you should know this, but there's nothing like using your eyes and just standing there for 15 minutes or walking up and down the road, getting a feel for it, a sense of what's going on. I would walk around, I'd be looking at see, see if there was any cracks. I don't need a surveyor to tell me, you know, that there's subsidence having to walk around. Is the roof, does the roof look okay? Does it fit? Does it look structured? Good common sense things. But to be honest, most people don't do. Um, you know, they think, oh, yeah, that'd be a good investment. That'd be good to go in my portfolio. I'll... Um, I'll make an offer on that. I'll make a ridiculously low offer or whatever. And they think that's negotiating. Well, that could be stupid because that would just, if it just hacks the person off and they say, oh, I don't like that person, they're just trying to lowball me and make a quick buck. Um, you've got that emotional resistance at that point. So I don't recommend that. Then I would. Um, Build rapport with the estate agent. Now, I know uh, you said that every, everyone's got that feeling about estate agents, haven't they, for some reason. But uh, I know some really good, really nice, really professional estate agents as well. And you can tell that. And on my uh, on my podcasts, uh, on my um, Monday Night Live interview shows, we're always talking about interpersonal skills and how you connect with people and how you build rapport and how you mirror and match their body language. And, you know, you walk into the estate agent's office, let's say, and obviously it's better to be eyeball to eyeball if they're local and be as much as much like them as possible. And you can have a look around in the office and see what you can see. Is there anything to connect, build rapport, uh, signs of football team he supports or something that she likes, a picture of a dog on the th on the desk and, and things like this where you can connect very quickly with people. You ask me what people don't do. People don't spend time on that. They go straight in with their own agenda, focus, focus, focus. Um, and if you can help other people get what they want, then you can get what you want. And what does an estate agent want? They want a simple sale to somebody they like um, where it's going to go through nice and easily. There's 
if there's a mortgage, it's easy to get. Can they make a little bit of money on the mortgage? Can they make a few extras? And can they satisfy their client? And uh, what do they want? Well, they want their fees paid, don't they? So what I'm saying here is in any situation, you need to put yourself in the other person's shoes. What's on their agenda? What are they looking for? What are they... What, what do they want? And the only way we find that out is by talking to them, asking questions, keeping our eyes and ears open, which is called sensory acuity in neurolinguistics. You know, the average person looks without seeing, listens without hearing, uh, senses without understanding what's going on. So we talked about two things there, preparation, building rapport with the estate agent. You might also want to build rapport if you can with the seller because the seller is the ultimate person that's going to sell it to you and frankly if they don't like you and that's another mistake people make they're kind of arrogant when they look around the house and uh, we've had people in our houses oh I don't like the wallpaper there in the old days when people did have wallpaper and then when you think about it you know I might have put the wallpaper up so if I chose the wallpaper and somebody says I don't like it they got an instant Mismatch, how stupid's that? And then, of course, asking really good questions. And um, most people think they ask really good questions, but they don't. You know, things like how long have you lived here? Why are you, why are you selling it? Um, what are the neighbours like? And then looking for the body language question, body language answers rather than the physical answers, because it's five times more difficult to lie with um, body language than it is with the words. So looking at um, how people... Are reacting. So if you ask me a, my, me a question, and um, for people listening to this, I'm now going to move back and fold my arms as I answer it. That's a pretty negative answer because they have moved back. When people move forward, they're interested. When they move back, they're, they're not interested or telling fibs, lies or whatever. Folding your arms, defending your heart, which is what the arms over, over the uh, – tends to signify it might mean they're cold but if you just ask me a question i move back and fold my arms that's pretty stone bold bonker i'm on i'm on the defensive why am i on the defenses because i might not be telling you the truth so picking up all these signals asking good questions and then listening listening to the answers and uh, when they say um well yeah 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 and the neighbors are the neighbors are good people well you know you notice the hesitation in my voice there that's giving you a bit of a clue so you know stand outside i mean i've gone back uh, after i've made an offer on a property and i've um, been wondering about it, had a bit of a gut feel, is it the right thing to do? So just uh, stood outside, wandered around the back, uh, wandered up and down the road so that I get a better sense of um, whether it was the good deal or good deal or not. I mean, I've heard so many stories of people buying buying properties without even looking. Heard a story about a guy who bought a, two properties in Cyprus without flying to Cyprus to look at them. How daft's that? When he found out that, um, <laughs> after he bought them, of course, he found out they're under under two uh, great big electricity pylons and they weren't as near to the beach <laughs> as uh, the plans had said. I know, I know, you can laugh at this, but these things happen. <laughs> these things happen. Um, they really do because you know what's... You know, as soon as people think they're on a winner, as soon as they think that they're getting a real bargain, sudden, suddenly the brain clicks in, I don't want to miss out on this, um, and greed comes into it. And uh, they fall for 
all sorts of things. You know, you've got to stand back. One of the things in negotiation is to take a time out, take a break and think it through. The other thing I'd say to the people listening to this is, you know, we don't say lightly sleep on it. People haven't been saying sleep on decisions uh, for that many years back into the dark ages of uh, Adam and Eve because sleeping on it lets the, the brain think things through the brain never goes to sleep it gives you a chance to it gives the brain a chance to think it through and that's why we wake up in the morning with a funny feeling about something or we might be in the shower and we get an idea um and that's often why salespeople, you know the snake oil type of salespeople, don't want people to sleep on it they want them to sign here and might say to you well uh, you know we got other people interested if you don't sign now you're going to miss out on this golden opportunity well there's no such thing as a free lunch and that was john ruskin said that in the 19th century the famous industrialist and there isn't anything you know and it's better to lose a golden opportunity which might not be and move on to something else than um, as my friend did in cyprus so you know lose a packet on uh, buying a pump so yes yeah, so what do we talk about there preparation watching the body language asking good questions uh, listening um probably need to move on to the psychology of negotiating tactics well uh, there's quite a lot of tactics that i've written extensively about them but if we picked out just a few uh one of them is good guy bad guy linked to higher authority so there's two tactics there so if you're talking to the client or you're talking to the estate agent you want them to like you you want them to be the good guy so if you were the estate agent, Robert, I might say to you, well, Robert, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, you did a great job showing me around. And, uh, um, but at that price, um, it's going to be difficult to get that through my business partner, difficult to get that through my wife, difficult to get through my life partner. And that's the higher authority, the person that's not there, or the committee, if it's a bigger company, or the board of directors, if it's a big company. And they're the bad guys. So they're the anonymous bad guys that no one can get at. And then I'd say, well, if you could um, persuade the buyer to uh, the seller to move the price um, by uh, 5%, or we might even say 5.5%, because funny mum, funny numbers, um make people have the feeling it's realistic and being carefully calculated if you say 10 percent, it's too much of a round number so it's better to have an odd number known as very similitude the uh, having the appearance of reason um then then i think i could persuade my partner to go for it um so again there's good guy bad guy linked to higher authority two tactics third tactic is time time is um one of the issues that um persuades people to buy things if you think about it in shops sale ends sale ends on sunday that's usually in a magnet kitchen shop in a dreams bed shop sale ends on sale ends on tuesday um because the sales start on the following thursday again but it's to put pressure on people um in the northern ireland peace negotiations that had to be agreed by easter sunday in uh, afghanistan uh which we probably shouldn't talk about about at this point you know they were going to leave by by today now that seems to be a bit of a bit of a mess up all around but we won't talk about that but time deadlines beware of time deadlines 
and time deadlines are used to persuade people to do a deal. 80% of the concessions in a negotiation generally comes in the last 20% of the negotiation time. Why is that? Because the heat and the pressure comes on as the deadline comes up. Tactic number four I want, um, want your listeners to um, think about is taking timeouts. And what I mean by timeout is taking a break, taking a breather, taking a walk around the block before you make your mind up, or even better, sleeping on it. Or phone a friend, uh, talk it through with someone. Because when we talk things through, we get rid of the emotions. People often make decisions emotionally when they should be making them emotionally and logically, you know, and asking themselves, does this make sense? You know, you're in Hull. Let's uh, let's think if you were buying some of those, um, you know, those those houses down by the docks or something on a, on a deal. Um, you just want to ask yourself, does this make sense? Are they going to go up? Are they going to go down? What's the redevelopments in the docks? Have I researched that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? All those things that uh, people don't think about. Um, the next tactic I would mention is uh, what I call the Columbo, and um, that's the dummy smart uh, routine. Comes from the uh, you know the old uh, days. I'm Dave now, Columbo, Peter Falk, the actor who. Uh, Always used to say just one more thing, or I just can't understand this, or can you run it past me again? The reason that's really powerful is if people are fibbing or lying, there's going to be a lot more hesitation the second time because they think they might have been caught out. And therefore, you'll be watching or listening to the way they said it, how they said it, what the body language signals were that were coming, coming with it. So remember... Remember Columbo, and you can always call the next morning. Just one, one more thing. I was thinking about this at three o'clock in the morning. Um, how will this work? You know, this these houses are built on a brownfield site. You know, yeah, I understand there's been a few issues. Where can I research that, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we come to the psychology of influence, um, which I got to mention because uh, Robert Giordini, the um, psychologist from the uh, university, you're, you're nodding, so you know about this, and some of your your listeners will. The most famous business psychologist said, "You know, there's a few things you have to think about when you're negotiating, when you're influencing people. Number one, does the person like you or not? What can you do to make sure they they like you enough?" Number two, what can you give them to open yourself up, make yourself a bit more vulnerable, uh, reciprocity? Uh, number three, do you look, sound like someone that could buy these properties? So thinking about how you dress, how you come across, etc. I've often been walked to my car by somebody because they wanted to see the type of car I, I drove. Actually, when I was in banking, there were three I think the word was crooks, but they all had Rolls Royces in the uh, 1990s, and they were all using Rolls Royces to bamboozle people that they were really people of means when actually they were all living on borrowed money, and they went bankrupt in the end. So, um, you know, A, we need to know that uh, we need to look good ourselves, but on the other hand, we have to be careful about the snake or salesperson that looks, you know, all... uh, all uh, full of uh, BS. If I'm allowed, if I'm allowed to uh, yeah. to say BS, and then um, you know, back back to um, 
social media you know what does our linkedin profile look like do we come across smartly when people look us up on on linkedin etc so um they're my they're my biggest tips and uh, in when when i've got a score sheet the score sheet covers um all of those issues we've just talked about but the um the two underlying ones at the end are conflict and confidence. But all three, or both of them begin with con, don't they? So uh, when you're negotiating, you're always going to have conflict. Always going to have conflict. So it's a question of how you deal it, deal with it. Using the good guy, bad guy routine and higher authority is a good way of softly using it because you're not saying, well, I couldn't possibly pay that price. What you're saying is I'd like to pay that price. But uh, I'd never get that through my directors, my board, my partners, etc. What can you do to help me? So that's less conflict from what you're hearing and confidence. Um, and um, we need to do our research, do our preparation, think about um, how we ask questions, think about how we connect with the other people, think about them as friends, colleagues, rather than adversaries. Because at the end of the day, if we want to win-win, they need to like us. And um, if they like us, then uh, then we'll be able to it'll be much, much easier to influence and uh, and persuade them. So that's a that's a quick run through um, my my structure, my system of negotiating, which is uh, which is what I cover. Also, I mean, for, for the benefit of people listening to the podcast, I've literally just been nodding my head for the last 10, 15 minutes uh, listening to what you've been saying there, Derek. I would, um, a couple of things I'd point out. I hate date stamping things, uh, but by the time this comes out, of course, we've briefly spoken about moving out of Afghanistan. Of course, that was the end of August. So uh, there's a bit of a date stamp there. Uh, secondly, the word verisimilitude. I was reading The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham uh, actually yesterday. And that word popped up. So oddly, it's a great word. I knew exactly what you meant when you said it. So I'd read it and Googled it yesterday. Um, a great word. Love that. It's a fantastic word. Well, I understand it was first used in Catch-22, in, in the novel Catch-22. And that's how it's... Um, I had to look it up when I first heard it. So, um, <laughs> But it sort of links quite nicely into having the look of... Um, look of reason it's a good point you make about time date stamping it on afghanistan but there will always be issues like that and i'm a great football fan and of course the transfer deadline comes up once every six months and the, and the worst deals are always done just before the transfer deadline because the clubs and the players and the agents and the agents who make a fortune out of football um, are under pressure to do the deals and they get the deals done at the last minute. So uh, time is a, is a massive issue. Yeah, I, I try not to go down the... I'm a big football fan as well. I try not to go down the, the, the football route. But you do raise a very good point. I think if people were looking at the, the history of football deals done on transfer deadline day, as you quite rightly pointed out, not many of them are worked because you're dealing with that time pressure. You're at the end. Negotiations might be quite frantic, I imagine. And... I don't really like football agents anyway, but hey-ho. <laughs> There's a number of books on that. I was going to mention one last thing on that. I bought a property. The worst property uh, deal I did is I bought a buy-to-let in Christchurch in Dorset, and um, I had a funny feeling about it. I kept asking loads of questions. And then the agent said, if you don't exchange contracts by tomorrow, we, we've got somebody else lined up who wants to exchange contracts. And guess what I did, Robert? I fell for the three-card trick. 
uh, exchange contracts, despite my gut feel. And the um, kitchen cabinets fell off the wall about three months later. The fridge went wrong. The heating went wrong. So I had to put all that right. And the capital gain on it is about 50% of what it should have been because I overpaid for it and had to put things right. I I just kept it. I've kept it for 10 or 15 years. And actually, the yield's not much good either. And I'm going to sell it next year. I'm still going to make a profit, which was fine. But actually, I was closed on the time issue. Anyway, the thing about negotiating is we learn and we have to learn from our mistakes and we have to uh, debrief our mistakes and we have to move on because we all make mistakes and that's the way it is. But if we don't learn from them, then we're silly. Totally agree. I think that's a very poignant point. We always should be seeking to learn. Uh, There's a couple of questions that spring to mind. Um, Again, conscious of time, knowing that, again, about the half an hour sort of time frame is great for podcasting. the question that did spring to mind is how easy, uh, when you're speaking to people, do you find that it's incredibly easy for people to be overcome by FOMO, fear of missing out? And then that's why, because they're not taking the time they need to take, that's why you see people making quite a lot of mistakes. Is that a fair thing for me to say? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it all links to the time issue, you know, the time deadlines, the fear of missing out. Um, there is a hidden there's something in our brain which says we don't want to miss out on things. That's why sale ends at five o'clock. G- I, I mean, it's a surprising statistic. But when you think about it, it's uh, it's very reasonable that 80% of uh, what we've got in our wardrobe we never wear because we bought it in a sale or we thought it was a good idea at the time and we'd miss out if we didn't buy it there and then. And that seems to apply to men, women, and everybody else um, in the world. So that's odd. So yeah, fear of missing out. I think the time thing's probably moved on to saying, you know, that's why that's why it's such a powerful uh, sales and negotiation tactic and one that you shouldn't fall for. You know, you should walk away, take a deep breath and say, there's plenty of fish in the sea, I can find another one. And uh, there's something, something, you know, something not right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even taste right. We say things like that, don't we? Going through all our senses when we get an intuitive feel that something wrong. And that's when we should walk. But we don't. And in, in, those, in those situations, I mean, we've, not just myself, people listening, people watching this on YouTube as well, there's going to be times where people will go against their gut instinct. I think we've all done it. I think we can all hold our hands up to say we've all done it at some point. But if it gets to a, a scenario where, you're just going to do a deal anyway, even though it's not a true win-win situation. Even if it's not for, even if it's not a win for yourself, but it's a win for the other person. Would you walk away and still say that's a decent deal then, or or not? Because you've not created that win-win scenario. Well, you never really know if it's a win-win, do you? You don't, you don't really know it's a win-win because you can't ask the other person because they'll say no. I need a bit more off the price. <laughs> um, I think you just have to feel it in your senses. You know, are they are they pleased but not too pleased? Gordon Roddick, the um, chief executive of Body Shop, a number of years ago, said to me, Derek, I think each a really good negotiation is where both people, both parties, feel a little bit sore about it. They've been pushed to the limit, but on the other hand, it's a deal worth doing. And I thought about that. I think it's absolutely right. Um, we want the best deal possible, don't we? We don't want to over, overpay for something 
But on the other hand, we don't want to uh, rip the other person off because they're naive, etc. So it's kind of a feel. It's a feel. Um, yeah. I hope Wonderful I answered your stuff. question, but I think it was one of those questions that probably has no answer. <laughs> Oh, no, I am. I'm here to merely ask questions and sit back and then listen to answers. And that's my job to try and squeeze out as much value as possible. And if I may say so, you've done a great job today because you've really uh, you pinned me back a little bit with uh, with some of those questions and made me think carefully about the answers. So I thank you for that. Uh, no, no problem at all. My final question, and I'm I'm going to represent the autistic people out there because you know I'm autistic as well. This is something that. <laughs> been found this out a couple of years ago so i've been sort of learning more about myself as well and i know that being on the spectrum uh, things that i know that i'm not good at but i need to improve on eye contact uh people skills you know i'm just going to lay it out there my, my people skills are definitely not the best um i guess my scenario is i don't want to i don't want to hide behind it every time and go oh yeah i'm autistic i'm not good at this because then you're training your brain to say you're not good at this but for someone that's in my shoes who's got the mentality of, well, you know, it's always good to try, et cetera, et cetera. But no, I might have a limitation here. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. What advice would you give me and other people that might not necessarily have the best people skills, but that are looking to learn because they've got that mindset? Well, first of all, congratulations on your attitude for, uh, for learning. Um, I worry about labels like autis autism. Uh, and and things like that and i worry about people who say i'm not very good at this and i'm not very good at that because as you rightly say you're you're programming your brain to not be very good at it um labels like asperger's and autism didn't exist did they 50 years ago it all came under some sort of label people put a label on it and now I hear, I was coaching a guy the other day and he says oh well that's because i'm autistic and i thought I didn't need to know that. I didn't know you were. I thought uh, you were behaving slightly differently on the body language spectrum at the time. Um, but he was going around use it, using it as an excuse in a business scenario, and I told him to stop doing that. You know, keep it quiet. Get yourself a mentor or a coach. Strengthen what you can as far as you can. Um, and... Um, and um, go for it because he was holding down a good job, but he was struggling in certain areas, which is why the chief executive had asked me to coach him. But she hadn't mentioned the fact that he was autistic. He started telling me and telling other people, using it as an excuse. And I don't think you need to do that. Everyone's got weaknesses. Everyone's got strengths. Use your strengths. Work on your weaknesses, but um, don't put too much time into your weaknesses because uh, it's much better to keep improving your strengths because we've all got strengths. So that's that's what I would say. I would lean on as many people to help you as possible. Don't think of it as a label. And if anyone's uh, listening to this out there that's been labelled, labels are dangerous. You're a human person. You're a human being. You're uh, you're different. Richard Branson's autistic, so uh, where can you uh, where can you take it from there? Great question, and thanks for asking me that. I hope that was a good answer. No, very very useful. I do appreciate you taking time out to to answer that. Thank you. The final question, absolutely final question, uh, Derek. How do people get hold of you? How do people find you? Okay, well I'm. Um, 
Um, I, you know, I think the easiest way these days is on LinkedIn. I really do. You know, I'm Derek Arden on LinkedIn. And the reason I say that is that um, I interviewed a guy called Graham Jones on the um, on the Monday Night Chat Show, and I'd love anyone to send me an email and come on the uh, as a guest to listen to the uh, Monday Night Chat Show. Did you know up to 30% of emails get lost? That's the problem. So somebody could send me an email and it gets lost. So... Um, my email address is action at uh, derekarden.co.uk and my LinkedIn is Derek Arden. So if you use both of those, connect with me. I'll put you on my um, briefing list, my newsletter that goes out on a Monday. That will have the links to uh, listen to me uh, on a Monday night interviewing people. That will give you some exposure to me to see if you like me. Ideally, what I like doing best is speaking at a conference, mentoring, coaching people, um, because that's what I get a buzz out of. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm a lifelong educator, and uh, I love helping people and uh, being interviewed by people like you, Robert. So, love to hear from uh, love to hear from anybody at any stage. Wonderful stuff, and as you can see, so certainly from the YouTube uh, video, of course, your book Win Wing, amongst other books as well. We'll put links to them in the show notes. Uh, Derek, thank you very much for your time today. I think that's incredibly informative for you know, people watching people listening and they you know go out and uh you know start negotiating like a pro and increase income within your business that's all i say to that well congratulations for what you're doing robert and thanks so much for inviting me and uh, hope to uh, come on your uh, great podcast show again in a few months time all the best thank you